What is up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Kabour, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter, at DeepDiveFF, or on Instagram, at DeepDiveFantasyFootball. Also, if you are hungry for Dynasty content, join the Rewind team at Dynasty Rewind on YouTube and Twitter, where you can get my draft sheets and much, much more. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the New York Jets. It's one that I've been excited but hesitant to get to. Aaron Rodgers, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall off injury. How's Aaron Rodgers going to integrate into this offense? He's added his own people with Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. Just a lot of interesting questions. And so I did my best to answer them in my research. And hopefully you guys can see my line of thinking and how I came to the conclusions that I came to. With that said, we are going to break down the New York Jets, starting with the offensive linemen or offensive line, they added center Joe Tittman at 43 overall in the second round of the NFL draft. And then other than guys coming back from injury, that's pretty much the only change on the offensive line. Last year, the offensive line was a struggling point for them, mainly because of their injuries. So we'll see if they can stay healthy. We'll talk about that later, but that's going to be a big factor in the direction of this team this year, in my opinion, is going to be that that health of the offensive line. Now let's look at the skill positions. Obviously, they added quarterback Aaron Rodgers. They lost wide receiver Elijah Moore, but they also lost wide receiver Braxton Berrios. Then they added Alan Lazard for a four-year deal, $44 million, and then Mikkel Hardman on a one-year, $5 million deal. Kind of interesting that he only got a one-year deal. I I would expect Hardman to be able to get a deal a little bit better than that. And then they added Randall Cobb for $3 million for one year, and then they added Running back Israel Abanikanda in the fifth round, somebody that I like, somebody who's super young, who's got good finishing speed, who's pretty big and strong. So I I like him as a good compliment to Brees Hall, and I think it's possible that he does take over as the main number two in front of Michael Carter. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they added defensive end Will McDonald at 15 overall in the first round. And then at coaching, they fired offensive coordinator Michael Floor replaced him with Nathaniel Hackett, which will help with the projections a little bit since we have seen Hackett with Rodgers very recently. And speaking of, let's talk about Hackett for a little bit because that's pretty much all the changes. So let's let's look into Hackett, his pass rates. So pass rate versus run rate, his splits in Denver, he passed the ball 56% of the time, ran it 44% of the time. So it was one sole season as a head coach in the NFL. He passed the ball 56% of the time with Russell Wilson and that offense. Then in the three years prior with Green Bay, 2021, 2020, and 2019, Nathaniel Hackett passed the ball 57, 54, and 58% of the time. I'm not going to lie, this is a pretty good range, and I think it gives us some sort of reliability, something to be able to be confident in, somewhat confident in, when we are projecting the Jets, because there is a lot of moving pieces, but this is some semblance of consistency here, something that we'll be able to fall back on, and that is the fact that Hackett has passed the ball between 54 and 58% of the time the last four years that he had some sort of control over an offense, and that's a pretty good range because you see teams go from one year to the next. Sometimes they'll they'll switch by 
his in four years he's never been more than four percent different between 54 and 58 percent so that's really comforting it makes it a lot easier to look at this offense and say you know this is this is what i'm feeling and that 58 percent was in 2019 that was a long time ago that was in one of aaron Rodgers' mvp years so i believe it was and with that said or it was the year right before with that said we'll break down the jets from last year and actually quite surprising in 2022 they had a thousand and thirty two plays they were very high above league average despite having a horrible offense and they passed the ball this is part of the reason why they had a lot of plays they passed the ball 61 percent of the time and very poorly very inefficiently stopping the clock with all of their incompletions very often but and they had a really good defense to help their offense get back on the field so in those 1,032 plays, they had 627 passes because of the fact they were passing 61% of the time. 405 runs. They had 15 passing touchdowns, less than one per game, utter garbage. And then 13 rushing touchdowns. They had 28 touchdowns total. That's not even one and a half per game. Wait, let me check my math in my head. Okay, it's just over one and a half touchdowns per game. But that's that's not good. That's not good at all. Now, they obviously have a better quarterback. They have better wide receivers. So does that mean with a better quarterback and better wide receivers that they're going to pass the ball more? Not quite. I do think they're going to be more efficient, but I think they're going to pass less. Brees Hall also, him coming back, even though he might not be back 100% right away, but Brees Hall coming back also gives them more running backs to rely on and the addition of Abani Kanda. So those two guys... Being there compared to last year where they only had Brees for a little bit and obviously Abani Kanda wasn't there at all. That's also going to give them some incentive to run a little bit more. And Hackett has had Aaron Rodgers in the past and he has never passed that much. The most passes that he has ever had in a season with Aaron Rodgers was 593. They had 627 last year in New York. 593 is the most he's ever had with Rodgers in Green Bay. And the highest pass rate like we talked about, was 58%. Now, I expect more rushing, which generally, generally will hurt the total play count for a offense, except because this offense I'm expecting to be way better, I'm actually going to keep their play total about the same because while they may not be stopping the clock as much, I think they're going to be able to just have continued drives and Aaron Rodgers is going to keep them alive a little bit more and give them a higher chance at productive play. So I'm keeping their total play count for my projection for this year at 1,035. Last year was 1,032. And I'm giving them a 56% pass rate, 44% run rate. So I'm going with 56 for a couple reasons. When we look at Hackett's history, okay, when we look at Hackett's history, he was 56% last year as a head coach. His average in his last four seasons, the seasons that he's been in either the offensive coordinator position or a head coach, the average is 56%. And that actually goes along what I would have projected without seeing Hackett's uh, percentages with the Jets because Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's going to just completely go crazy and air it out when they have a good running game and their offensive line's coming back healthier one way that you want to keep that offensive line healthy and just give them momentum is running the ball because it's way easier for offensive line to run block than to pass block because one you're pushing forward and one you're falling back on your you know and trying to to not get pushed onto your heels so I I think that's going to 
to give them momentum and establishing that run game is going to be easier because their passing game is going to be more threatening because of Aaron Rodgers. So their run game will be more efficient. So overall, I just I think it makes a lot more sense for them to run more than they did last year. The only offenses that you see passing 61% of the time that are good offenses are pretty much the Chiefs and the Chargers, depending. We'll see what happens with the Chargers this year. But that's pretty much it. And and the Tom Brady-led Bucks. So if you're not like just top tier in every way as a passing unit, quarterback, wide receiver, like offensive mind, all of these things, and then also don't have the best running game like the Chiefs, like the Bucks, then it doesn't make sense to be passing that much. And the Jets have the personnel to create a very strong rushing game. So I'm giving them a 44% run rate, 56% pass rate. That's 580 passes and 455 runs. After all of the hard work, it comes out to 29 passing touchdowns for me and 13 rushing touchdowns, 42 touchdowns total. That is hovering around what my average projection is for an NFL team uh, in terms of the offense. So they have room to grow. I'm not projecting them near their ceiling by any means. Now let's look at Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be kind of a, a decently long discussion on Aaron Rodgers because he has steadily declined over the last three years. He has won in his career. When you think of Aaron Rodgers, he has won in his career with his talent. People like to say he is the most talented What is that referring to? That's referring to his physical gifts. And those are going, and so is his greatness. Because as his physical gifts are declining, he's going to have to to rely upon his mind, reading the offense, accuracy, making sound decisions, not throwing across his body, not throwing on the run, not scrambling around and buying extra time that he's not going to be able to do because he's not as athletic and everything now. He's not going to be able to do all of that stuff that has made him the most talented, as people like to say, quarterback in the NFL. And so he losing some of those things is obviously going to be getting worse. And that's what we've been seeing over the last three years. How do I know this? Well, I'll give you because he's pretty much declined in every single stat category over the last three years. So I'll give them to you. Completion rate. So I'm going to start from three years back and move forward. So completion rate, 71%, then 69%, and then last year, 65%. Touchdown rate, 9.1, 7, 4.8. Interception rate. So now this, the higher numbers are worse, obviously. 1%, 0.8%. So that that's the only thing that didn't increase. And then 2.2% last year. So still, the arc of the interception rate has gotten worse. Yards per completion, 11.6, going down. Quarterback rate, 122, 112, 91, going down. QBR, 80, 69, 39, going down. Sack rate, the percentage of times that he takes a sack, 3.7. This is a good way to show his athleticism because Green Bay's offensive line hasn't fluctuated that much. 3.7, then 5.3, 5.6, taking more and more sacks, going up in the wrong direction. Now, let's, let's talk about something else, too, because those stats are, yes, consistently getting worse in each spot, but also you might be saying, ah, well, last year, you know, was his thumb injured? Yes, and I'll take that into account. 
Was he missing his alpha wide receiver in Devontae Adams? Yes, I will also be considering that. And I would expect this year, I would expect that his play would decline again. However, I am not going to project his play to decline because he has better weapons and the better thumb might help a little bit. And which I'm not really relying too much on the thumb. We've seen him play through a lot of injuries and be very good. And so uh, despite, you know, having better weapons and maybe the the thumb getting a little bit better, I am thinking he's not going to be that much better than last year because generally this trend would continue and go down. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt by keeping him about where he was at last year in my efficiency ratings. Also, I think he might be a little bit rejuvenated by his new surroundings. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a more um, peculiar character that we have in the NFL and likes to, to to do a lot of things and is influenced by a lot of things so you know it's possible that him just getting a new situation and, and stuff might rejuvenate him and make him want to work harder and play harder and stuff we'll see so it's a risky proposition I'll just leave it at that it's a risky proposition to rely on Aaron Rodgers or think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be better that is the part that's risky to just think hey Rodgers is going to be better that might not be the case. So regardless of all this, he is an upgrade at the quarterback position for the Jets. Even if he continues his downward trend, they were so bad last year, it's ridiculous. So now I'm going to give you Aaron Rodgers' stats from last year. or uh, That's not the order. So I'm going to do the Jets quarterback's average from last year and compare it to Aaron Rodgers last year. Because Aaron Rodgers last year was the worst of the three years the past three years in Green Bay, worst year of his career in terms of his efficiency. And it's very concerning for Rodgers, right? Well, we're going to compare that, which is his worst of his career, to the Jets quarterback's average last year. You ready? Completion rate. Jets quarterbacks, 57%. Aaron Rodgers, 65%. Touchdown rate. Jets quarterbacks, 2.2%. Aaron Rodgers, more than double, 4.8%. Interception, the same for both, 2.2%. Yards per completion, higher for the Jets quarterbacks, 11.3, 10.6 for Aaron Rodgers. However, the Jets quarterbacks were working with much better weapons. They were extremely, extremely inefficient. Their yards per attempt were much worse than Aaron Rodgers. Their yards per completion were just higher because they're thrown downfield more and they're wildly inaccurate. But when the guys do come down with the ball, they're doing more with it. And... Then we look at quarterback rate, Jets quarterbacks 75, Aaron Rodgers 91, QBR, Jets quarterbacks 36, Aaron Rodgers 39, and sack percentage, the Jets quarterbacks got sacked 6.3% of the time versus Aaron Rodgers last year, 5.6% of the time. And that is something that is concerning to me, that last stat, that sack percentage stat. Because say what you want about Zach Wilson, Mike White, those guys... They're not, like, entirely immobile. They should be able to, you know, get around, get away, and not get sacked and throw the ball away or run for a couple yards. Now, Flacco's not doing that. Yeah, I get it. But those other two guys that the Jets had there, that's a really high sack rate. That's really concerning. And, yes, the offensive line is back a little bit healthy, but how much do you rely on that? How much do you trust that the offensive line for the Jets is going to stay healthy when they're probably best offensive lineman, Makai Becton, is hurt every single season. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, everybody can be healthy. They can put together a nice run and have a good team and not, 
you know, get the injury bug. But it's not a bad bet to say, hey, one or two of these offensive linemen are probably going to get hurt. And if that, if that happens, that's a much worse offensive line than what Green Bay has been providing for Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers' sack rate might go up again as he gets less athletic. He continues to go down in his, his you know, stat decrease. And he might get sacked more and more and more, which is going to hurt their opportunities for total passes available because he's getting sacked when he should be passing the ball and just hurt the offense and be a drive killer. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. And I'll tell you right now, if let's say a report comes out before the season or right when the season starts, early in the season, whatever, if the Jets' offensive line starts going down, you need to start selling. Uh, if it's redraft and offensive line is going down, I would start selling all of the Jets' players before it becomes a, hey, those offensive linemen coming down really just destroyed the team, which is what I expect would happen. Like Garrett Wilson even, you know, if he's doing well, like really well, and then the offensive line starts getting hurt, he's still going to be really good. But in a redraft, I'll look to trade him away for somebody that's producing about what he's producing or somebody that we're predicting to get better and do so before he starts going down a little bit because the offense just goes down. Or especially Aaron Rodgers, you know, if if it's like a super flex league or a dynasty even, and, you know, you have a, a team that you're looking at that's like in win-now mode, Aaron Rodgers is, let's say, he's like a top-end QB2, and then the offensive line starts going down, sell him to a win-now team, while they might see value in him that he's not going to hold up the end, that end of his bargain on value if the offensive line gets hurt. So that's something to keep in mind. And just keep your eye on the offensive line is very important for this team. More important, in my opinion, than a lot of other situations. Now, when we look at Rodgers and what I'm projecting for him, I will be projecting, and we can compare to his last last year in Green Bay, I will be projecting the same completion rate he had last year in Green Bay, 65%. I'm raising his yards per completion from 10.6 to 11.1. He's got better weapons. They'll do more with it. I am... Keeping his yards per attempt pretty similar. I'm giving him 7.2, just above NFL average, okay, or just about NFL average, which at this point in his career is like, that's not really a slight. I mean, that's last year he was worse than NFL average as a passer. So he wasn't bad, but he was worse than NFL average. So giving him these NFL average, you know, stats is not really a slight in any way. And then I'm actually raising his touchdown rate from 4.8 percent last year to 5.0 this year because of his better weapons they are so much better that while his touchdown rate would go down for me generally I'm actually just raising it because of how much better his weapons are here than they were in Green Bay now with that said let's look at his minimal rushing statistics that I'm projecting only 100 yards one touchdown he also shows his decline in this stat category because he used to be you know 250 300 350 in terms of rushing yards for quite a while and his rushing yards have declined steadily over the last three years so it's showing you that he's not really he's not retaining his mobility and his crazy physical attributes that stuff is going to go and when that goes his stats also go with it so that's something to keep in mind 580 passing attempts total for Aaron Rodgers 377 completions 4,185 Um, passing yards for me and 29 passing touchdowns these numbers are right in line 
right in line with his over-unders, which was very pleasing for me to see. As you guys know, I do not look at the underdog over-unders until after I have finished projecting a player because I don't want it to affect my projection in any way, sub subconsciously or you know me knowing about it. And so I finished the projection. I looked at the underdog numbers, and their over-unders are very close to my numbers. So that makes me feel more confident that I'm doing the right process. My process is is looking very good for Aaron Rodgers. And that's 17.6 points per game. He's a middling quarterback two for me. So there's not really a difference between him and Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. Like all those guys are in that same range for me. But I'll take Jared Goff over Aaron Rodgers because I think he has more upside. Now Stafford versus Rodgers, that's a close one. Maybe just because of the injury stuff, I might go with Rodgers. I don't know. We'll see how how I'm feeling as we get closer to the season. Now, the biggest worry for me, like I said, is the potential for this offensive line to completely crumble. Rodgers has been getting worse each passing year at escaping and avoiding pressure. His sack rates were bad last year in Green Bay, and they were really bad for New York last year. They didn't make any changes. Other than adding that one offensive lineman, they didn't make many changes. They're counting on the health of their guys who continuously get hurt. So with that said, that's Aaron Rodgers. He's pretty much somebody that is kind of being drafted at value right now. So I I don't have anything against drafting him. However, I would rather turn elsewhere because there are guys that I see going later than him that I have ranked above him. And we'll talk about guys like that when I'm finished with all my projections and I can start giving you guys, hey, these are the best values. These are the worst values. These are guys you need to trade for, trade away. Um, Best pick in every round. Worst pick in every round. Um, the most consistent guys, all that stuff. We'll go over all that stuff once I'm done with all the projections. Another reason why I try to pump them out as soon as possible. So let's look at Garrett Wilson. I believe in Garrett Wilson to be a very soon elite wide receiver in the NFL. The weapons around him are not great. They're more just role players. Okay, Rodgers likes to hyperfixate on a very good wide receiver, which on this team would be Garrett Wilson, in 2021 in Green Bay. With Alan Lazard as the number two next to Devontae Adams, a good receiving running back in Aaron Jones, a better receiving running back than what they have right now in Brees Hall, and a decent tight end who is good in the red zone in Robert Tunyon, Devontae Adams, despite all of that, drew 32% of the targets. I think Garrett Wilson can approach that. I think he is going to, this is going to be the season that brings him right to the cusp of that elite status. Like, we will be... I think at the end of this year, be like, Garrett Wilson is a borderline elite wide receiver in the NFL, which is a term that I only give to maybe at most like eight to 10 wide receivers in the NFL. So, you know, if I go through it, I would probably say like, you've got Jamar Chase, you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Stephon Diggs, you've got AJ Brown, You've got, that's five, DeAndre Hopkins, if he is still the DeAndre Hopkins of old, would be six. Um, I don't know. Then you're kind of getting into that murky water. Jalen Waddell is is close. I wouldn't say he is elite, but I would say he's very close to that that title right now. Um, there's a couple other guys, but without getting to, oh, Cooper Cup, obviously. Without getting too distracted on that, just showing you, you know, why I, I have that number usually is around how many elite guys I believe there are in the NFL. But if Devontae Adams is able to get 32% of the targets, with Lazard as his number two, a good receiving running back, a good red zone threat tight end, 
and Garrett Wilson is approaching that elite wide receiver status, I think he can get close to that 32% target share as well. He also has Lazard as his number two right now. His receiving running back in Brees Hall is a little bit worse than Aaron Jones, so maybe there's a little bit more targets on the table there. Their tight end situation might be about the same, maybe a little bit worse, so there might be a couple extra targets to grab there. I'm giving Garrett Wilson a 29% target share, 3% less than what Adams generally drew with Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, that's right at the cusp of elite wide receiver territory in target share. When you see a target share that's 28% or more, that's pretty much an elite wide receiver on an offense, unless it's just a really good a really good wide receiver with trash around him. That's the only other time that that kind of changes. So Garrett Wilson, he showed an affinity of getting targets in the red zone. He was producing with them. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to appreciate this. He's going to recognize it, and it's likely that Garrett Wilson will be the man there too in the red zone. Garrett Wilson's efficiency should improve a large amount. I am projecting his catch rate to go from 56% last year, which Garrett Wilson is a very good wide receiver. That's a poor number. It was because of the quality of his targets. I'm expecting the quality of target to improve so much that I have Garrett Wilson's target or his catch rate going from 56% all the way to 68%. I'm giving him 12.8 yards per reception. He had 13.3 last year. So while I do think his targets are going to go so much better on a per-target basis, I do think he is going to just, or I shouldn't say on a per-target basis, but just overall, I think his targets are going to be of a much higher quality. I think his receptions per target will go down a little bit. He's not going to be going as deep. He's going to be, you know, getting used a little bit more efficiently. And that's going to cause his yards per reception to go down a little bit. But overall, his yards per target are going to be much higher this year because his just his situation is much better. I have him at 8.7 yards per target. If you look at Devontae Adams in his last two years in Green Bay, he had 9.2 yards per target. So like I said, I think Garrett Wilson is approaching that elite wide receiver territory. I think he is going to be close to Devontae Adams, but not right there. And then I'm giving Garrett Wilson, this is the, the risky part of my projection, I'm giving him 11 receiving touchdowns of the 29. Now, it's not going to be that risky of a projection to give him 11 if you think Rodgers is going to have 36, right? Then that's not a risky projection. That's in line with his target share. But I'm giving him 11 out of 29. It's like 35% of the touchdowns. But Rodgers, we know, likes to hyper-target his favorite guy. And I think that's going to be Garrett Wilson. Overall, that brings Garrett Wilson 268 targets, 114 receptions because of that nice efficiency, 1,464 receiving yards and 11 receiving touchdowns. It's 19.2 points per game. Looks like he's going to be between wide receiver 4 to 6 for me, depending on Stefan Diggs and Jamar Chase, depending on where those two guys land, Wilson could be as high as four, might be six. I am drinking, which I was surprised. I am drinking the Garrett Wilson Kool-Aid. I love Garrett Wilson. I'm not surprised that, about that. I loved him. He was my wide receiver one in the draft class last year. I had him above Drake London, had, had him above Chris Olave, and above Traylon Burks. He was my, my wide receiver one. However, I was not expecting because I know my stance on Aaron Rodgers, I know I had already done research in the past before getting into the Jets projections on Rodgers specifically and just seeing that he's gotten worse. So I was coming in with that mindset, but he's just such an upgrade over what they had last year that Garrett Wilson is just going to have a great season. Absolutely amazing season in my opinion. 
There is some risk with the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers to uh, play declining. This does need to be recognized. Recognized. Garrett Wilson's projection is kind of between his median and ceiling, in my opinion. Usually, I project people pretty much right there at their median. Garrett Wilson, I am being a little bit more optimistic with my projection. I'm not projecting him right at his median. Okay, He still does have a ceiling ab- above where he's at, but I don't think his ceiling is so much higher than where I have him projected. Okay, I already have him at 11 receiving yards projected. The most he might get is like 14, right? I have him at 29% target share. The most I can see him getting is about 32% because that's usually where you top out as a wide receiver. Sometimes, sometimes if you haven't, if you're a, one of the best receivers in the NFL and you have nobody around you, you can get 33 to 35%, but that is such an outlier and so rarely seen that it's not going to happen. And Lazard is not absolutely terrible, right? So neither is Miko Hardman. So he does have some decent targets around him. But let's say his ceiling is 32% targets, 14 touchdowns, right? You plug that in with the same efficiency I have him at. It's 21.9 points per game. That would make him my wide receiver too. He would have 186 targets, 126 receptions, just over 1,600 yards. However, that's his ceiling. And obviously, we don't ever project somebody at their ceiling. So he's at 19.2 points per game for me. That's not that far off from his ceiling though. So keep that in mind. I think he's going to be or sorry, let's talk about Alan Lazard. I think he's going to be targeted as the number two, similarly to how he was targeted as the number two when he was next to Devontae Adams. He will get a little bit more. I think Wilson's not quite there compared to Adams, and Aaron Jones is also not, um, or Brees Hall is not to the level Aaron Jones is as a receiver, and Aaron Jones always soaked up a pretty big target share. So I'm projecting for Alan Lazard to have a 15% target share. His highest target share with Aaron Rodgers has been 12%, which I would have thought was higher. If you asked me before I researched it, I would have said, oh, Alan Lazard with Aaron Rodgers, uh, he probably got like a 17%, 16% target share. No, 12% was his highest. I'm giving him 15% now. That's a good bump. And I'm projecting similar efficiency that he's had with Rodgers with a minor hit since Rodgers is getting a little bit worse. And I'm comparing Lazard's efficiency to his 2021 season when he was across from Devontae Adams. Now, that's going to be a 63% catch rate, 13 yards per reception, 6 touchdowns of the 29. That's 87 targets, 55 receptions, 713 yards, 6 touchdowns. That's 9.5 points per game. I am not interested in him. He's a bench wide receiver. That's very close to his underdog numbers as well, my projection for him. So that also worked out very well. And Miko is also somebody I'm not going to be interested in. He comes out to 9.1 points per game for me. I'm giving him 14% of the targets, a 68% catch rate, 12.5 yards per reception. He's slightly below his relatively consistent career average in, in terms of my projections for him because he, you know, he is coming from being with Mahomes. And he gets a little bit of rushing, 75 rushing yards and a touchdown for Meikle. And I'm just not interested in him or Lazard. I think Garrett Wilson's going to take a huge step forward as a borderline elite wide receiver that's going to pretty much make the rest of these guys irrelevant for fantasy purposes. They'll have good DFS games. You know, they'll have single single games here and there that are good, but they're not going to be guys you want to just throw in consistently. Now let's look at Brees Hall. This is where the projection will end. So running backs had are going to have 400 carries in my projection. After we take away Aaron Rodgers' carries, the carries to the receivers, all their gimmicky stuff, they've got 400 carries left to go to the running backs. Now, Brees Hall, last year, picked up steam. Started to look like a guy that was going to average for the rest of the season 
about 17 yards or 17 carries per game. Then he tore his ACL. His efficiency because of that is going to be worse. Yes, everything around him is improving. I don't care. Brees, Brees Hall is not going to be as efficient as he was last year. He's already super crazy efficient, by the way. 5.8 yards per carry. But he will be much worse because of the ACL alone. And even if, let's say he never tore his ACL and he just finished the season on pace what he was going to do, I wouldn't project him to get better than 5.8 yards per carry because the offense is getting better and Aaron Rodgers looking great. I wouldn't project that because that's already a ridiculous number that would regress. But his 5.8 yards per carry, I have him obviously being less efficient, having him coming down to 4.5 yards per carry. I think they're going to ease him back. Israel Abaniconda can help out with that and help them not rush Brees Hall back. I think Hall's going to get about 61% of the carries to the running backs. Like I said, projecting 4.5 yards per carry. I'm giving him 8 of the 13 rushing touchdowns for the team. It's going to be 246 carries. 1,107 rushing yards and 8 rushing touchdowns. I have him on pace for about 67 targets last year. He was on pace for 88. That would have been a 14% target share, but I see that decreasing with Wilson stepping forward, his injury, Lazard's addition. So I'm giving him about 11.5% of the targets compared to 14 last year. That's going to give him his 67% 67 targets. I'm giving him normal running back receiving efficiency. We didn't get to see too much from him to be able to say, oh yeah, this is how good he is in the receiving game. So I'm just giving him about that the normal average running back receiving quality or receiving efficiency. So that's going to be 52 receptions off 67 targets, 416 receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns. Overall, he's going to be about my running back 12. I have him at 15.9 points per game. He's basically being drafted right at value. So when you're looking at it, off everything I've told you, I'm not really that excited to draft Jets other than Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is the only person that I think might over-deliver on value and that might not last very long because his ADP and his hype is building 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 so he might start getting drafted a couple swats higher at which point nobody is a value in in I almost said Green Bay in New York and when I say they're not a value somebody being drafted at value means they're being drafted where I have them projected where they should be drafted at when I say they're not there's nobody being drafted um like there's nobody worth taking that's a good value that means that there's nobody that i project higher than what they're being drafted as which every person that i select in my fantasy football drafts i think they're going to do better than where they're being projected unless it's like the first and second round the first and second round i'm mainly looking for safety and consistency from game to game guys that i can trust now there are some some sleepers maybe i have somebody at like rb1 and they're at rb5 so yeah if i have the chance to grab them i'll grab them obviously but for the most part, first and second round, there's not anything too anything too crazy. It's more avoiding the busts and trying to stay as safe as possible um, while retaining good upside. After that is when you start getting your super values. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's the only one that might be a value. Everybody else is kind of, eh, not going to be touching them. So, like I said, Brees Hall's about running back 12 for me, which is about where he's being drafted. However... I do think what I have him projected at is close to his ceiling because I don't see him getting 80%, 75% of the carries. I just don't see it coming off an ACL tear. They added a running back into the room. Like, it's hard for me to picture, man, and it's hard for me to picture him being super efficient unless I'm just missing the mark. 
unless I'm just completely off and he's just super good and averages above five yards per carry, which I don't expect. And they run the ball more than I'm expecting, which I, like I said, remember, I have them running the ball 44% of the time this year. They ran it 39% last year. So I'm already giving them those increases in the running game. But like, let's say they run the ball in the red zone a lot more than I'm expecting. Then, okay, he maybe he can get, you know, more than eight touchdowns, but that's a pretty fair projection in touchdowns. So that's what I got for Brees Hall. I'm not projecting any tight ends as I don't think they're going to have a shot at the top 12 on the year. And just to let you know, there is 177 targets left on the table in the other category that you can distribute between Randall Cobb and the tight ends and Michael Carter, Israel Abaniconda, the guys that I didn't go over in my projections. There's 177 targets left for them. That is not enough to break up and give to these tight ends to make them relevant. So that's why I didn't bother projecting them. I think they're going to help the team more than they're going to be relevant for fantasy. With that said, thank you guys for listening in to the New York Jets. Thank you for just everything, all the support. Drop a rating, drop a review, please. Share with a friend. Say, hey, man. Even even if it's like not somebody that's going to listen to all of these team breakdowns, just, you know, let's say you know Jets fan. Hey, man, listen to this podcast on, on the Jets and what this guy thinks that they're going to do for fantasy and how they're going to perform as an offense. You know, just uh, just do that for me. Help me out in that, in that way. Thank you guys for everything. If you guys want to see my draft sheets, go head over to my link tree. My link tree is in my my Twitter and my Instagram. On there, you will see a Patreon spot. It's going to take you to our Dynasty Rewind Patreon. It's $10 a month. You get a whole bunch of discount promo codes. You make the money back right away if you use those promo codes and stuff on the sites that we have there. And you get a whole bunch of exclusive content. And one of those things is my draft sheets. So check that out. That's all in my link tree. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Peace.